general nerdery. You know what I learned this week? I learned I know fuck all about hockey. That is the main lesson that we are going to have from the Shorzy episode. I know whatever Mighty Ducks taught me back in the day. I remember watching Mighty Ducks 2. I can't even promise you I watched the first one. <laughs> I wanted the toys of the actual alien ducks. I had... Oh shit, which one did I have? I didn't have Duke. My best friend had Duke. I couldn't even tell you their names. I just know. I don't. The only one I remember the name of is Duke. That's the problem I'm having right now. And Duke it, Lorange. Okay, that sounds like something out of fucking Shorty. Uh, <laughs> welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. We're your journals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And we are here to talk about Shorzy and probably not much hockey, despite it being a pretty... <laughs> it's an absolutely a hockey show. Um... But I guess before that, what have you been ingesting, big guy? Let's see. So this time around, uh, what have I been ingesting? I have watched Shorzy all the way through about four times now. I mean, we'll talk about Shorzy in a second I've here, but that's been... I've watched it through once, and then we just watched the final episode to get my brain right in the right spot again. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to watch it again this week while working on other projects. Just as, like, background TV? Mm-hmm. Um, Prey. Ooh, I've really wanted to know what you think, because I've heard nothing but good things or white boys being angry. Um, honestly, I'm surprised how little white boys being angry I've seen, even from places I kind of expected to see it. Um, not that it's not happening, but, like, I was looking around at some places where I'm like, huh, I have a feeling somebody's going to be mad here. Wait, they're not, they're not mad here? They're... They're at least okay with it? Well, I've, okay. I've definitely seen them, but, like, I have a couple Twitter accounts I follow that kind of searches that shit out, so, like, mm-hmm. if um, I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't have seen it. I mean, hands down, at least the second best of the, seri- mm-hmm. of the, of the franchise. I personally would have a hard time putting it above the first one, especially because some of the moments, some of the better moments in it intentionally harken back to that one so it's kind of hard to be like well it wouldn't even exist without them already doing it good once i'm i don't you and i have talked about this i don't know if it's ever come up on air i don't care for predator i think Mm. the design is fucking glorious i really want to like predator shit but the best not having not seen prey in fairness so Mm -hmm. i leave that out of the best predator thing ever made was uh the Batman versus Predator comic (laughs) is so much better than it has any right to be. I'm just getting that out there. But like, I don't, I get bored in that first movie Mm, and it's not, mm -hmm. I don't. But like, it's super close for me. Like, I'm not saying that I actually rank Predator a 10, but if Predator is a 10, then Then for me, Prey is a 9.9. Yeah. Like it's right there. Well, and even if it's a better movie or not, it's hard when it is, that close. Well, I was going to say when it is derivative to of the first yeah. one. And that's not a negative derivative, but it's Prey. Yeah. The lays of the Predator franchise. There's, yeah. yeah. There's That's how it works. It's not impossible to overcome the first thing. But when, when the first hard. thing's already good for a lot of reasons, it, it gets hard. Well, and more importantly, I think the first one is iconic. Mm-hmm. Iconic is a lot harder to beat than good. That's true. Anyway, fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Did you um, watch the Comanche dub? I did watch did the you... Comanche dub. So I still wish it would have just been recorded in Comanche and given us an English dub. 
honestly, for the way that most of the dialogue is shot in the movie, it doesn't matter either way because you're not actually seeing lips moving. They probably did that on purpose so they could do the Comanche dub without. There are a couple scenes where you're like, oof, this is a dub. (laughs) Not many, though. And but then there's also a couple scenes where it matches up because like she still gives commands to her dog in Comanche. Mm, okay, so there's bits where it's still just so yeah. There's there's bits where it's like oh that's what would have been said anyway. And I mean there was a couple bits too that I thought were were pretty stupid, but not in a way that turned me off of the mu- movie. It was more like this is dumb, but it's not any dumber than every other action movie mm-hmm. almost ever. So. I'm I'm here. Like, I'm good with it. It's just, I'm going to recognize for a second that this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, it's when your first movie is fucking uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, and, oh, God, who's the third one that I'm thinking of that was the big-name guy? Uh, he was also in Arrested Development. Um, oh. Uh, he's in Mando. He's... Right. Why am I... He's Chubbs. <laughs> this is embarrassing even for me, and I'm legendarily bad at names. In Mando, he plays Grief Cargill. Carl Weathers. Car- God fucking... <laughs> That's even more embarrassing for me, because we're about to talk about a sports movie, and he's an X-Raider. <sighs> My point is, though, <laughs> yeah. when you have Arnold, Jesse Ventura, and Carl Weathers as the like start of your franchise, you're allowed to have stupid fucking moments in it, because all of those guys make fun shit with stupid fucking moments in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple moments where I'm like, okay, that's dumb. Whatever. Move on. Uh, what? Amber Midthunder? I believe that's her name. Fucking phenomenal. Dakota Beavers, who plays her brother, also fucking phenomenal. Apparently was discovered working at a TJ Maxx. <laughs> and I can't wait to see both of them in, like, everything from now on. Because they were both... When you just say discovered working at TJ Maxx, do you mean like he was working at TJ Maxx when he applied or like someone wandered into a TJ Maxx and went, that guy? I I have no idea. I didn't read the full article. I just saw a couple headlines like, where did this kid come from? Turns out he was working at TJ Maxx. I mean, I assume it's the prior, but like Daniel Radcliffe got the Harry Potter job by walking past the producer when they were like, who the fuck is going to play Harry Potter? Oh, that kid right there. Johnny Depp was just hanging out waiting for his friend to get done auditioning on the Nightmare on Elm Street set. God, that sucks to be that friend. Do you know who that friend is? Who? Jack Earl Haley. Rorschach. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't he fucking play Nightmare on Elm Street guy later on? Yes. All right, I guess it turned out okay for him in the end. Well, and he, well... Not just in the end, like he was also super famous as a kid. He was a child actor. He was oh, a bad yeah, no, just Okay, that does make me feel a little better. But like, <laughs> he was big, and then it slumped down. But then he's back on and up again because he's only been fucking incredible in everything I've seen him in for the past How like was ten he years. As a kid? Have you seen Bad News Bears? Not the in original. A long fucking time. Because he was the fucking foul mouth pitcher. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay. <laughs> Not that I watch Watchmen very often, but that's going to wildly alter Watchmen for me. I want to say his name was <laughs> Kelly in that movie. I saw that movie when I was a teenager. I liked it. Yeah. I wonder if I would still like it today or if I'd be like, Ugh. 
I mean, I have a feeling some parts, of, I haven't seen it in years, I have a feeling some parts of it have not aged well. Mm. I think the overall conceit, though, and, like, the way that the movie plays out in mm, general, yeah. no, tone-wise, no. is probably still top-notch. It's just always the risk of, mm-hmm. com- especially comedy from the 80s. Um, and then the other big thing was I finally finished Sandman last night. See, I've only seen the first episode. I was going to say we're definitely going to watch it tonight, and there's still a 75% chance of that. But I've also realized that Mario Kart released new levels. Oh, yep, that so did I'm happen. So I'm going to drop it on my wife, of which one she wants to do, and watch her be like, how dare you make me choose? <laughs> I, it was weird. I was expecting to just tear through Sandman because I've been waiting for it since I first read the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 19, so I guess it's been 16 years now. I've been just like... I want to see this live action so bad. And then I started watching it and I love it. I'm going to watch it again very soon, but I was able to wait. And like, I watched it uh, with my girlfriend, Margaret, and I was able to go at her pace because I realized they're doing it accurately enough that I know what happens. They're doing it really accurately. And uh, each episode works well enough as a standalone thing that like, I mean, I'll happily binge multiple episodes, but even that first one, which ends with, like, I've put this realm together before, I'll do it again. And I still felt like I got a complete story. Right, I and mean, the first four episodes are almost, like, issue by issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the B-plots actually just being issue six. So that by the time they get there, they can skip that one. I've only read a bit of Sandman. We've discussed that before. This is making me really want to read more of them. I'm realizing I only remember bits and pieces, Mm. which is fine because this means that I'm getting it. I'm not playing the compare it to the source material game as strongly. Mm -hmm. Plus CC gets to be the person who knows what's going on on the TV as opposed to me being like, did you know that in issue what? I don't actually know issues, but like, yo, they, yeah, I was sitting there and there was parts where, Margaret would just be like, what are you smiling about over there? And I'm like, I'm trying not to talk your ear off right now. You're watching the show, but I just caught like four things in the background. I'm super fucking happy that they threw in. (laughs) Uh, The Constantine episode, they throw in a bunch of Hellblazer shit. I heard about that. I know Jamie Delano got credits on stuff. Um, Like for real, for real, they could just do the Delano run with... Joanna Constantine, Constantine, and I'd be all for it. I don't know. No discredit to her. Mm -hmm. I don't know if her Constantine would jive with the other runs. That's fair. The update to Constantine is pretty significantly different than... She feels pretty spot on, Mm -hmm. but spot on to a very certain feel. Yes. And is it Constantine... Like, they updated her pretty significantly. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And they did it respectfully. But, like, I'm going to separate them as Constantine and Constantine. And I know that's going to drive you up a wall because it should be Constantine in both cases. It's fine. But, uh... I've I've been the one to remind people for years that it's actually supposed to be Constantine. And I have a hard time saying it. Constantine is a sting wannabe... I mean, literally designed to look so, like Sting. Uh, I can't think of who the artist was on Swamp Thing, but 
Rick Veach? Yes. I think Rick Veach wanted to pl- uh, draw Sting, so Alan Moore created Constantine. And it works. And I fucking love Constantine. But, like, that's such a product of the 80s origin. So when they updated her, well, updated the character to Constantine, it made sense to not just be, like, still Sting. Mm-hmm. As much as I fucking love... Uh, God, I can't think of who plays Constantine uh, in Legends. Um, oh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan does such a good job of doing old school dirty Constantine. Honestly, I can't see him doing a couple of the runs either. Yeah. But he's still kind of too happy of a Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> Constantine goes through some shit in the 300 Hellblazer. Oof, yes, he does. And he's not a happy bloke for most of it. Um, Is that and your I friend? Think, Must be. He's dead. Yeesh. Yeah, pretty much. No, across the board, I've been... Actually, some of the... I think some of the changes are better. hmm Super minor spoiler, but, like, even just having Lucien find Dream instead of the gargoyle when he first arrives back in the Dreaming makes so much more sense. Um, Lucien, rather than Lucien from the comics, is has so much more personality than the comics put comic uh, counterpart. There's only been... Two, one, two, one thing I was disappointed by, and one thing the more I think about it, the more I miss it, though I don't think it's, I understand why it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed by the design of despair. I feel like I get what they're going for, and it's a more realistic depiction, but, but it didn't necessarily it work doesn't, for you. No, part of, part of what would, I don't know. Part of the design of Despair, I feel like, has always been extremely integral to that character and just their their impact when you first see them or whenever they show up, really. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Jesus. It's not pretty. <laughs> but it's... I I get what they were going for in the show, and I I like the thinking behind it. I just didn't like its actual execution. Fair enough. And then just in general, it feels tamer. I don't know. Like all the rough edges are sanded off. They get, they still get dark. They're still, I mean, a fucking serial killer convention at one point, but they, even from like the get go, you don't get the eternal waking and like a few other things that really delved into the horror side of Sandman. Part of that might be the era that we're in. We're not, going as raw with a lot of our media as the 80s was. The 80s was pretty willing to, like, be rough. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that could be Neil Gaiman, because he's older Mm -hmm. now. And I was going to say one of the interesting things about Neil is because he's so heavily involved in the TV and movie adaptations of his properties anymore he gets to update it in interesting ways, but he's also not the same person that he was in fucking... When did Sandman come out? 92? When did Serious House on Serious Earth come out? Because it would have been, like, right after that. Because that was the the book they gave Dave McKean to give him the cred to be on Sandman. God, Serious House on Serious Earth was good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, original series ran for 75 issues from January 1989 to March 1996. So 
So it was 80s. For some reason, I thought it was actually early 90s. I mean, very ascent of the 80s. Um, but I just... I don't know. Some of it doesn't even... I don't feel like the eternal waking is all that... Like, I don't think it pushes the envelope that much. And it's so it's weird that we didn't get it in some form. I guess it's... I don't know. No, it's fair. There's some things I'd like... I wasn't really expecting to see... Like in the Constantine episode, Dream a Little Dream of Me, I wasn't expecting to see a house like Cronenberged out with like walls of flesh and shit like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of the other parts I was like, okay, why not this? It's almost the same, but mm, I yeah. don't know. I mean, it could range from anything from budget issues to time issues to, and that doesn't, I, I, I get what you're saying. But I don't. I don't want to make that sound like I loved the show. I'm I've, really looking forward to watching more of it. And like, I can't believe that it's coming to life as as well as it is. And I've been spellbound watching every episode. It's just that if I have to look back at the episodes, I start missing things. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Spider Verse it would be hard to do, but like even with Spider Verse, which I still call the gold standard of ad- adapting comic books to other media. There's stuff missing. There's stuff that I wish was a little different for the sake of the, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a thing when you come to adapt. You're like, oh, that's better. Oh, that's definitely worse. And I do still kind of wish he wasn't just a white guy walking around and he was more like otherworldly. I was actually talking with someone about this at work of where they were wishing that his eyes were more like. I actually like the way they did it because in very certain scenes they do his the eyes are stars. It's what we were hoping. We haven't got neither one of us had gotten far enough in to see the eyes as And you kind of they don't highlight it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't it it doesn't happen in the camera like focus on his Zoom face in, or something. Like, it's like you kind of just have to catch it. Nice. Uh let's see. I read some Outsiders comics, which Outsiders is a fun little series. Uh Batman's Black Ops JLA kind of, or like Batman's Rogue Bitch period. Mm-hmm. But I think okay, easily the most important thing is I have watched so much fucking Letter Kenny. <laughs> I was gonna. I if you didn't bring that up now, I was gonna. Bring I actually that up kind before of wanted to bring it about, up now so we can yeah. kind of get some of the Letter Kenny out of the way. Because we're obviously not going to hit through every season leading up to Shorzy now that we're about to talk about Shorzy, but you just binged a shit ton of it. So I have been watching Letterkenny off and on in between shows because just sometimes you need a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to watch Shorzy and we decided later than normal. Usually we know what episode is next by the time we finish recording. We didn't know what episode we were going to play until a week after we recorded. Right. And even then, like, we went through a couple different options before we settled on that. So I watched, just last week, 7, 8, 9, and 10, and Shorzy. And the week before that, I watched part of 4, 5, and 6. Right. I have watched so much fucking Letter Kenny that it altered the speech patterns in my house. <laughs> We started fucking chirping at each other, and, like, the the rapidity of how we were speaking mm-hmm. went way the fuck up. How uh, was it to binge it all that much, other than it uh, changing your speech patterns? 
you know, still really good. I had only seen through season eight. I okay. I fell off a little knowing I was going to catch up, but you know mm-hmm. how it is. Uh, and that's why I'd been watching slowly through. I think seven is the only season I would call actually weak. It's the one with the cracking egg where they have the show. And even then, it's not a bad season. It has some legitimately good points. The agriculture show is just not an interesting bit. Bit. Yeah. And it's like the main through line of the season. So that's tough. Mm-hmm. I want Gay to come back and just be a normal cast member. I find the skids, I find all of the skids more interesting when Gay is with them. Mm-hmm. God, I hate McMurray. He's my third least favorite character. We've been debating this all fucking week in the house. Okay. For me, McMurray's the third worst. Okay. Coach is the second worst. Gotcha. Dierks is the worst. Oh, Dierks is the worst. Cece and I are both on that. Grizz thinks that McMurray is the worst. Followed by Coach and Dierks. With the argument that you're not supposed to like Dierks. Well, the other two are, like, kind of members of the community still, but they're so shitty. Right. Oh, this that's weird for me, because, like, I, I don't like McMurray more than Coach, but I like having his character on screen more than Coach, if that makes sense. Yeah. McMurray feels more like part of the community in a way that I understand why they put up with him. Right. Like, he's a garbage human. And not, just to get this out there, not because he is in whatever open relationship thing he's in. Swingers? Yeah. Uh, It's because of everything else about him. (laughs) Yes, it's every aspect of his personality but that. Good job on that actor. Actually, good job on both of the McMurray's actors for being mm-hmm. that disgusting. And then you watch her. I've only seen her in other stuff. And like the only other thing I'd seen her in at first was uh, she was Wyona Earp in that show for a while. Oh, okay. And she still plays a drunk. So like, you're like, all right, whatever. And then I said, she shows up in fucking Strange New Worlds. And I could not tell it was her at first. I That's was like, amazing. I've seen that actress. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it does change watching the show, though, because she'll be in, like, some of her worst, and I just went, you're in Starfleet. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> she she confirms that the ginger and boots fucked the ostrich. Yep, she does. Uh, I really liked meeting Professor Trisha, finally. Right, finally. She was a... It was an interesting but weird scene. I'm glad that she wasn't feminist mega bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were kind of setting her up for at first because that was that would be low hanging fruit. And having all of the guys actually get super into her lesson was great. I fucking mm-hmm. love that. I did think her changing in front of them into her panties and then out into like comfy clothes was odd. And I'm not sure why they. Did it. So in retrospect, okay, we'll talk more about Shorzy in a few minutes. Uh-huh. But I do feel like this latest season was a lot of just teeing up for Shorzy. And I think that scene actually falls into that. Please explain, because I agree with you on parts of it, but uh, like that a, one. A big overall 
thing that they tried to do with Shorzy, and they've talked about this in interviews, is that they continue to let the camera have the male gaze while putting all the women in position of power, and the guys are all just pawns and idiots. Yep. We'll definitely talk a bit about that. Cece for sure brought that up, too. And I was already being like, fuck yeah. And then... That's an interesting approach, though, of, huh. What's interesting is, because it's in some ways the same fucking scene as, you've seen Star Trek Into Darkness, right? The one with Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have the random character, she plays Carol Marcus, only important. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she randomly just, like, strips down, and there's a moment of her in her underwear that exists for no fucking reason other than to have a woman in her underwear for a moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always, that scene gets fucking slammed. Woman is gorgeous. That actress is mm-hmm. so pretty. Don't get me wrong. But like. It's a weird scene. It added nothing. to. It just was weird. It was so out of place with the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. This didn't feel out of place like that. No. In any way, shape, or form. But in some ways, it's kind of the same scene of randomly like, all right, now the pretty lady is going to strip down to her underwear. It's also just kind of like, because it's Letter Kenny. Yeah. And pretty much every female on that show is like an Instagram model. It's just impossibly hot. <laughs> I will say my critique of, my one big critique of Letter Kenny is going to continue into Shorzy. Every woman is impossibly hot, but they're almost all the same kind of impossibly hot. mm I would like some more body types. Like Letterkenny, you know, for the dudes, we have Wayne, who is just built like a fucking truck, Jared Kiso. Mm-hmm. And then we have Squirrely Dan, who is a big fat guy. And as a fat guy, I like that. That's not a critique. That's just. Yeah. What he is. And then we have, you know, the skids who are both just real thin. Several of the women of the show, I mean, they they're all have their own styles and differences and stuff, but all of them are real skinny, except mm-hmm. for maybe Tannis, who is still fucking fit. Mm-hmm. And good job, all of you ladies. I don't want to body shame in any way, shape, or form, but it's like all within two sizes of one another. Right, right. It's all, yeah. There's not much... Differences. Yes, exactly. In the grand scheme of things. The closest we get is uh, Lavina Dix. Right. And we barely get any time with her. Yeah, I, I really liked that latest season of Letter Kenny. I just felt like. Both 9 and 10 are fucking fantastic. Bringing Rosie in, back in as a much more significant cast member. Oh, I love Rosie. Does great things. It's interesting her character has shifted a bit from her original appearances, but not in ways that I think are, like, out of character for her or, like, hard to explain. Mm -hmm. But in her earlier appearances, she mostly just read. Like, that was kind of her thing. She's much more likely to, like, show up and be sexy or to sunbathe and drink with uh, Katie Cat or any of those stuff. But it, or just be around in general. Or just be around in general. But it kind of works for her character arc of she was around, she was always reading, she was always thinking about, like, wishing to do. She goes to the city mm-hmm. 
spends her time, and we don't know what happens in the city, but for whatever reason, she decides to come back to Letterkenny. Partially because she misses the people, from what I get. But, I mean, if I move back to my hometown because I miss the people, then it makes sense that she's going to be much more involved with the people. The people. Also, fucking love her in those braids. Mm-hmm. Thing I have learned about myself, and I know there's a certain term for that kind of braid, and I do not know what it is, and I'm sorry, uh, but Michael Burnham and Discovery gets those in season three as well, and in both cases, I'm like, you look so much better in the, like, you looked good before. Mm-hmm. Rosie was gorgeous, but like... Those braids are, those are fire. Yeah. Fuck, it works on her. I love this latest season, but... It, you, you, the end, the, the finale feels weird. I love that episode, but it doesn't feel like a season I finale in any way. I don't think that was like the normal season finale. Because remember, they have their like season and then they always have their whatever day special. Oh, right. Because they've had, you know, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's mm-hmm. Day, Easter, Christmas. They always do a holiday special. And they did fucking women's... International Women's Day. International Women's Day. Thank you very much. I was like, Women's Rights Day? No, that doesn't (laughs) sound right. Um, As a holiday special, I think it stands up as one of the stronger ones that they've done. I agree. That does mean the one before was their season finale. And I'm not even 100% sure which one that one was. It might have been the one with Marie Fred where they're buying the truck. Oh, that's... uh... Sundays are for picking stones. Oh, that's a fun episode. That's a fun episode. It feels even less like a season finale. Other than you getting to finally see Shorzy's profile at the end. Yes. Here is where I am going to defend that season on that front. It was the one that was filmed during COVID. And so I absolutely agree with you that this season didn't really have a like strong season finale in that way, but it definitely, you can kind of tell that they're working where they can mm-hmm. or like working around a bunch of difficult stuff. And for seasons that filmed during COVID of shows I've watched, I think this one does it better than a lot of stuff I've seen. Um, I am going to call out, not call out. I am going to point out the episode, uh, sleepover, which I think is one of the strongest episodes of the series. Although Sundays for pick and stones is delightful. Sleepover is the one where they're all, I mean, it's literally just like pairing them all into groups of three or the skids together and having them like have sleepovers and watch movies. And I don't know, there's something about it that it's just a delightful little character study to me. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why it's so good. It's just maybe the best episode of the season. It is fun in uh, Sundays Are for Pickin' Stones. The other two skids, finally we hear their voices. Oh, right. We just hear them go, Stuart! But, that, it's been ten fucking seasons. <laughs> um, hell yeah. I'm glad you got through it all. I'm gonna watch it again pretty soon, to be honest. I mean, while crafting or mm-hmm. what fucking ever, but. Alright, so, we had a bonus episode for you. That was all trailer talk. It was an hour of talking about Comic-Con, Comic-Con trailers. trailers. We covered like, they released like 23 trailers and we covered like 15 of them. And, and then, then I accidentally it. deleted I it. was going to say we. I was going to give you no, the I'll take that one. Guy. I'll take that one. <laughs> we finished recording a, uh, a new, bio, no, a Word Balloons episode. 
New Bi- no, New we Violence. We finished recording one of our other podcast episodes, and you pressed the button, and then you went, fuck. And I was like, oh, did we just lose two hours of work? And you're like, nope, just an hour's. <laughs> well, I mean, two things. One, as we've covered in past fuck-up episodes, when you record podcasts, sometimes shit goes wrong. Right. And we lose stuff. Two, if there is an episode to lose, an hour of us going, that trailer looks pretty good, is the one to lose. We're not going to redo that entire episode. Absolutely fucking not. But we would be not doing our duties of doing this show and talking about the shit that we love to talk about if we didn't talk about fucking the Black Panther 2 trailer. I don't know if this movie can match that trailer. It's a fucking fantastic trailer. It's, it's so good. So good. I, oh God. I mean, the moment I watched this trailer, I went looking for the music and they still have not released the mix because it's the, the Tim's, the Tams, one of those doing no woman, no cry mixed with, um, Kendrick's all right. Thank you. I mean, there's not an official mashup song. I know, but there should be. I know, because I agree. They, it's so good. <laughs> I did find a YouTube that just found that. that. But it's got some weird audio bits because there's parts where the music gets quieter in the trailer. Oh, right. For other stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Or where someone actually... There's only one spoken line in this entire trailer. Mm. I am the queen! But they took that part out too. But the music gets quieter there, so you're like listening, and it's bowing up, and then suddenly the music gets really quiet right there. But they took out the, I'm a queen part. I'm like, no, just <laughs> just leave that in there, man. It would have been fucking fine. There's more spoken in the trailer than that, because she also mentions that they took her entire family from her. Yeah, but that's, the, um, yeah. the, the, the line is like, I am the queen of the most powerful right. nation on earth, and I've lost all of my family, mm-hmm. and what more do you want from here? I am not saying that line correctly, but... I'm so excited. So excited. I mean, Black Panther was one of the best Marvel movies that's been made. Look, and, and it looks like they're leaning into the pretty, so... And you know that I've been on a Mesoamerican myth- mythology kick lately. And by lately, we mean like 36 years. No, no, it's been more lately. Okay. Because <laughs> um, that shit's really hard. I get really, I get really uh, intimidated by a lot of those names. Yeah, man. I've gotten pretty good at most of them. I get really intimidated by those fucking names. So the big change with Namor reveal uh, has me ecstatic. Holy shit, Aztec. They're not Atlanteans. Talakans. I think Mayan, because he learned Mayan for... That would make sense as a language to learn. Okay. Um, I've seen that they... I've seen places say that they were basing the look more specifically off the Aztec stuff. That also would make sense. Um, but... But I mean, first, I'm still going to I'm still going to fuck up and call them Atlanteans from time to time. I know that that's going to happen. The problem is in the comics, it's been Atlanteans for 80 years. So it's just hard. He looks so much more interesting than Namor has ever been in his fucking pasty ass green speedo wearing life. And I say that as someone who kind of likes Namor as a character. I prefer Namora, but 
I kind of hope this is going to sound weird. Fucking what's his name? The, uh, the Aztec Mortal Kombat character. Something Khan still? Yeah, Kotal Khan. Kotal Khan. I kind of hope that that's the way they go with Namor, where it's kind of like he's a hard-ass, but he's fair. That's always kind of been Namor's shtick. Right, he but is. there's definitely times he's a lot more villainous. Oh, yeah. Namor's fun because one time you see him, he could be a member of the Avengers, and the next time he's invading New York with Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. He's such a dickbag. But, like... And interesting. He is one of the the few, like, I'm a jerk characters that I still kind of like. But he's got he's got the wings. He's got the wings. He does have green shorts to swim around in. It's just not not the same green shorts. Speedo. <laughs> um and I mean that guy looks like Namor. He just looks like a different Namor. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of curiosity of, like, how are we going to do Namor? We're not just going to put a dude in a Speedo. That's not going to work in the style we've built. This looks like it does. This looks really fucking cool. And the modern thing on Namor has mostly been given kind of, like, a black vest and long black pants. And it's still not interesting. So, sure, let's try this. And it makes sense because Namor predates Aquaman. I'm actually not sure when Aquaman came out, but I know Namor does predate Aquaman. However, when it comes to the movies and when it comes to name recognition, thanks to now Jason Momoa, but even back to the old fucking cartoons and Super Friends, Aquaman has a larger outside of comics awareness than Namor by a lot. So if they had just done another King of Atlantis, they would have been like, oh, so it's not Jason Momoa Aquaman? Why do we care? Right. Changing him up is the right move. In the same way that making Shang-Chi more than Bruce Lee, but not for uh, copyright reasons, was a good fucking move. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so excited to see what they do with him, what all of that looks like, what Talakan looks like. Even that's close to something. So Talakan, putting Mm -hmm. an extra L in there right after the T, is the... Uh, like the heaven related to the god of rain, Tlaloc. That makes sense. And it's like where, okay, it's a weird one because it's both like the f- the top layer of like the good heavens, but Tlaloc is also the ninth lord of night, so it's also the ninth layer of like hell. Two thoughts, not quite related to that, but still... Because my brain's just going to be thinking about that one for a while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, we do have confirmed that Namora, cousin of Namor, and totally not his girlfriend. uh, Actually, they were engaged several times. That's where we're Mm -hmm. being creepy about it. But they've tried to just, you know what, never mind. I'm going to move on. Which is what they've been trying to do for a while now. We have Namora confirmed. Which interestingly means now, two of the five major members of the Agents of Atlas. Two of the six have been confirmed to exist in the Marvel Universe. They just keep setting up all these other teams, and now we don't know which ones they're actually going to use. Now, you've probably never heard of Agents of Atlas unless you've heard us talk about it. Because it's a tiny little nobody series. But it's also a delightful fucking comic book. I got you to read it, and you're like, Mm -hmm. this is fucking great. Next, we desperately need Ken Hale, the Gorilla Man. 
Who is? Everything that he promises to be in that sentence to come in. Jimmy Woo from fucking WandaVision and the Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in Ant-Man and Wasp, right? Yes. That's the other one. Just give us a TV show of them. We already want a Jimmy Woo TV show. I've seen so many calls for a TV show where Jimmy Woo just investigates like Jimmy Woo's X-Files. Because he's fantastic. That's Agents of Atlas right yeah. there. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Bring don't in M eleven the human robot. Like you don't can, just give us Thunderbolts and Young Avengers and everything else you guys are setting up. And like that's great, whatever. But I still don't know how it's going to be the Thunderbolts. Now, it's but. not. It's going to be the Dark Avengers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, thanks to the fact that the Thunderbolts. So, if you don't know, Thunderbolts advertised itself as a forgettable new superhero team. Not to be mean to them, but like. New heroes coming out. See, look at these guys. And they don't reveal till the final page of the final of the very first issue that they're not fucking new, all brand new heroes. It's all old villains. They're the masters of evil pretending to be heroes trying to replace the Avengers who were dead at the time. That's so good. But unfortunately, you cannot replicate that because the moment they announce that they're doing the Thunderbolts, Every clickbait article was, who are the Thunderbolts? Screen Rant had like 15 articles within a day about who the Thunderbolts are. Also, they're kind of just lining them up to be the Dark Avengers a little yeah. closer anyways, which is fine. fine. But they were always going to do one or the other and combine the two ideas because you don't do of both of those ideas. The magic of the Thunderbolts has just always been so interesting. And then I just love the Young Avengers, so that's fine, too. But, like, God, Agents of Atlas would be fun. Um, As for the rest of it, Wakanda continues to look amazing. I'm really excited. The number of women in power that seem to be happening on this. We briefly, briefly see Riri Williams, who will Mm -hmm. be Iron Heart. She knocks out the heart. She knocks out the heart. But, I mean, we don't... There is not enough there to have an opinion yet. Right. We see... That's Riri, and Shuri seems to be taking her on as a, like, protege. Because she does the same, like, double hand mm-hmm. slap thing that uh, Shuri usually did with her brother in the first movie. I still think they're going to bring Killmonger back for Black Panther. I kind of hope so. I think he's Because I'm great. pretty sure th- they do show someone with the Black Panther costume on do the claws. Mm-hmm. It's the gold suit. I'm pretty sure it's the one that he wears. That said, we also, I am pretty sure we see Umbaku wearing a Black Panther suit. Yeah, I, I keep meaning to pause it on that screen and, and see quite what it is he's I'm wearing. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's a to. variation of the Black Panther outfit. And there's been a fucking Lego set released that shows Shuri wearing Which, one of the Black Panthers. I mean, she was always going to wear a suit. It's whether she ends up being the Black Panther. That's the bigger question. The actress rumored to be does not really want to Mm -hmm. keep coming back. Uh, She's an anti-vaxxer, so I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for her. And if she wants out because she has to get her vaccines, K-bye. You were like my favorite part of the first movie, so I hate to say that, but like... Right. Get your fucking shots. I'm sorry, man. Um... I think, I mean, I want Killmonger back. That'd be great. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. 
I wouldn't mind them leaving their this movie. I think it would piss off a lot of people, so I don't think they're going to do to it. To not reveal who the new but I is. personally I don't mind if there's not a new permanent Black Panther until Secret Wars. See, at the end of the day, I was on team recast. Recast Chadwick Boseman. Nothing against Chadwick Boseman, but you can recast. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, fucking Rhodey was recast. Uh, uh, Bruce Banner was recast. You can do that still. I don't blame them for not wanting to, and I don't blame that cast and director for not wanting to work with someone else. And, I mean, it really does sound like a lot of this movie was these people, because it sounded like they were all pretty close, Mm -hmm. working through their grief at losing Chadwick Boseman. In a way, it's kind of also neat that they weren't forced to recast. Yeah. How rare is it that they, given an opportunity at this level to make a movie about their grief. That really is. And that's why as much as I said, you know, I'm, I've been on team mm-hmm. recast. This is still a movie I'm wildly excited <laughs> for. Like I'm mm-hmm. so looking forward to this. And I'm not saying that my opinion of what they should have done is better than theirs. There's plenty of movies that have come out where I'm sure my opinion <laughs> of what they should have done is better than theirs, but God, this movie's interesting. Yeah. I do kind of feel like Marvel is barreling towards a reboot, especially at the end of Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. And they can justify recasts that way of like, it's a soft reboot, but I don't I don't care enough to be that worried about it. So like I don't feel like they needed to do it. I kind of wonder if they've painted themselves into a corner with the number of like major characters they've written out. There's still a lot of time between now and then, though, too. So that mm-hmm. that could change as we start to finally see more, too. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm super excited to see Tena Huerta mm-hmm. as an Amor, especially since I'm pretty sure the last place I saw him was the last Purge movie. Also, I should really <laughs> say wrote themselves into a corner because they've been putting out some of my favorite of their stuff in that time. So clearly they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, super fucking excited. It looks mm-hmm. amazing. I don't have anything else to say other than I want it now. I want it now. Just now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't really do news anymore. The closest we've come is it looks like Valiant Comics might be folding. Which I bring that up mostly because last time we talked about how Oni Comics is super <laughs> fucked. Mm-hmm. The... Rich mega corporation that owns Valiant that has nothing to do with comic books seems to be pulling very similar moves. And Valiant was hit really hard during the pandemic because they were the first one to shut down. And a lot of their recover technique was to invest heavily in in, uh, making NFTs. Right. And like, for fuck's sake, Valiant, how did you not? Okay, I get it. Mad money was coming in. And when money's tight. I can see the temptation there, but Valiant is putting out some of the best books in their history, and I'm including the original Valiant company history. Mm-hmm. So God, I hate to see it. I would hate to see it die. And I mean, we've talked about Valiant since fucking we Almost did the get go. 
Ninjak versus the, the Valiant, Valiant Universe, Universe. in our first year of producing episodes. So, like... Oh, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Oh, boy. It was not good. But I had great. a lot of fun. <laughs> God, the actor who played Eternal Warrior was bad at it. Oh, man. I, I needed more Shadow Man, but... Shadow Man was the best part of that by, you know, because it's Shadow Man. The two best properties Valiant has is that and Archer and Armstrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is a new company finally bought CW. The Arrowverse was already basically ending, so I'm, hey. I'm kind of curious if it means it's still recognizable in its programming as the CW, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Supernatural's done. They are making the Winchesters. Mm -hmm. and as far as I know, that's still CW. on the board. But yeah, Flash is on its final season. There's no other Arrowverse shows surviving. CW has had a very specific lane for decades now, back when it was still WB. Mm -hmm. I mean, Smallville, uh, as I said, Supernatural... Various shows of that kind of... Riverdale. Riverdale. Weird, trashy ilk of, like, teen drama and supernatural suspense. And it's a successful mix, and it's the last bastions of Monster of the Week stories. So, like, I want them to continue. It sounds like the last couple of years they had been relying really heavily on streaming rights and got fucked when their deal with, I want to say, Netflix mm. ended. And so they've been trying to figure out how to survive. Well, plus, streaming's in a really weird place right now anyway. Is it because there's like 40 streaming companies right now? No, so, but kind of, but in a different way. So most, if you think about it, most of the streamers started during the pandemic mm -hmm. when there was no movies. And because so many were starting at one time, the name of the game was try to lock down your market share. The market shares have all kind of settled in place. Most of these streamers, like, obviously there's still an amount that it fluctuates and mm -hmm. their, their amount of subscribers up and down and certain properties can still bring in more subscribers. But for the most part, it's kind of reached an equilibrium. So now they're trying to figure out, wait, how do we actually make money off of this now that we have subscribers? Because we weren't worried about that before. We were just trying to get our foot in the door. And yeah, to stay solvent. And not only do they have to stay solvent, but they have to stay solvent at a time when movies are starting to pick back up again. You have Top Gun bringing in $1.4 billion. I still don't understand that. Nothing against Top Gun. Mm -hmm. Actually, something against Tom Cruise, to be fair. <laughs> right. But that's why kind of across the board you're seeing a lot of weird things with streamers and like a lot of weird cancellations and stuff. CBS All Access has found its lane, and I appreciate its lane, because its lane is Star Trek. Mm -hmm. like, we have also Criminal Minds and NCIS for old people, and... Star Trek. Star Trek. And to be fair, I don't hate Criminal Minds or NCIS. They're not no. ones that I search out, but CeCe's parents watch them. So I've watched a lot of them as a result, because, you know, we'll have dinner with them and they're watching those. And mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen a lot of NCIS myself. 
Anyway. There's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's like 19 seasons in now. Gibbs retired, the actor who plays Gibbs, and I don't know if I care anymore. Right. But also that actor was Mark Carmen, something like that, was supposed to be a giant douchebag, so whatever. <laughs> Paget Brewster's working again, though, so anything with Paget Brewster, I'm in. But that's, that's mm-hmm. a criminal minds. Where were we? How did we get it anyway? Because uh, we had oh, new yeah. stuff we were going to kind of talk about, but whatever. As we said when we stopped doing the news, we're not going to search out news things, but when big shit comes up, may as well mention it. Uh, but I guess let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what we're actually here to talk about. Shorzy. Shorzy. So Cece described this partway through as evil Ted Lasso. Mm. And well, that's liter- funny, because I, I started noticing kind of weird similarities, too. And, uh, I mean, it was one of those, like, you're married telepathy moments, because I was literally thinking, like, it's not Ted Lasso, but there's some heavy Ted Lasso vibes in this. And, like, kind of comparing and thinking, like, maybe it's a sports show thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it is to an extent. But I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. Also, fair warning, we're eating sticks while recording this. That's right. Because Shorzy is... If we hadn't done Food Wars, Shorzy would have been the most food-oriented show we've ever covered <laughs> on this fucking... <laughs> Weirdly, yes. Half of his fucking chirps are about food. Every time he hits on the reporter, he offers to buy her some weird kind of... I say weird, I mean like you wouldn't expect it in deep rural Canada kind of food. Right. I'm going to take you out for Caribbean. (laughs) Says shawarma at one point, I want to say. Like, great. All of that's amazing. But the last time you had some good tempura. Never, actually, but I live in rural Montana. It's not the same, but it's close enough to know that it's not super easy to get good Caribbean here. I need to eat the stick. If you haven't watched the show, stick is drumsticks. It's the ice cream stuff. So glad you bought these because I've been thinking about them nonstop for days now. I know. Yeah, (laughs) basically, like I said, I watched this like four times in two weeks, so... I've been really wanting some drumsticks lately. And I'm like, how about we just uh, eat them while we record? Sticks and now we have... unbelievable. Yeah, now we have uh, big old chunks of silence to edit out as... Yeah, well. have fun editing this one, big <laughs> guy. You, you shot yourself in the foot here. No, the, the Ted Lasso thing is funny, because I started noticing that myself probably third time through. Where I was like, is the love of the game that goes on? Well, it's kind of... It's weirdly... Like, it's similar, but it's kind of flipped in some aspects. Like, Ted's this nice guy who doesn't know shit, who has to keep this all together because of how much it means to everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. Shorzy's an asshole. An asshole. Cheap shot and prick. Who knows a fuck ton about the game, though. And has to convince everyone else to love it as much as him. Mm-hmm. Through actually hating losing, but... <laughs> Yeah, Ted doesn't care if they win or lose. Shorzy cares so much. But, I mean, areas where it is similar. Like, it is about a team forming and coming together. It's about the unique personalities learning to work with each other. An inexperienced coach suddenly tossed into really do-or-die situations when it comes to Mm -hmm. the team. I mean, in both cases, the general manager 
not, I mean, in this one, she's not trying to destroy the team, but there is that, like, the, the if you haven't watched Shorzy, the basic run-through is Shorzy's on a shit team of hockey players, and they're going to fold, and he makes the deal, we'll never lose again, and in return, you keep, keep going. Yeah. If we lose, you shut down. And then, spoiler alert, and come on, guys, if you haven't watched the show at this point, if you care about spoilers... This half of the episode's not for you no more. Right. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, both first seasons end with them losing and them deciding to keep going onwards anyways. Which we'll get to more later, but... So here's the other thing. I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that you've probably never seen Slapshot, have you? I don't even know what that is. So Shorzy is kind of just Slapshot, and that's almost why it works, but I don't hate it for it. Uh, Slapshot was a uh, comedy sports movie from uh, ooh, early 80s, late 90s. I'd have to look up the year I got, I guess. Um, starring Paul Newman. Fucking Cool Hand Luke? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, let me, I want to get the year right on this real quick. You know what? He's got some Paul Newman in the way he moves in this show, so I can kind of see it. 77. Also, I have now gotten to the uh, cone part of my stick, so have fun. With all of these chewing noises. Oh, yeah, I'm about to hit the cone myself. Um, <laughs> and it's this new player coach, played by Paul Newman, gets onto this hockey team in this small town, and the team's about to fold after years of losing. Mm-hmm. And he knows that there's an increased uptick in interest after a couple of the fights. So he changes the playing style of the team to just. Let's go fucking wild Get and unleash the lumber to use the mm-hmm. phrase. Uh, unleashes the Hanson brothers, who are probably the the more notable characters from that mm-hmm. from that movie. Um, who the Bash brothers and Mighty Duck are a reference to the Hanson brothers. Um, and they get through the season, trying not to fold, trying to keep attract interest. They get to the end, going up against this team that's better than them. They switch the first half of the game into trying to beat them through skill and start getting their ass kicked because the other team knew that they were coming in, fucking laying the lumber everywhere, and so it loaded up their own team with a bunch of fucking players that had gotten kicked out of the league for unsportsmanlike conduct. (laughs) And so this team that's normally bashy was just getting their face fucking bashed in for the first half of the game. Um, and then they come out to their old school ways at the end. Uh, they win through a technicality, but the team folds anyways because of just the circumstances of mm. all the shit. But because of it, the player coach, Paul Newman's character, gets an offer with a different team and just brings the whole team over. Nice. <laughs> so get out there the show is written created by direct uh, all of the stuff Jared Kiso who plays both Shorzy and Wayne in Letterkenny it is directed by Jacob Tierney who directed all of Letterkenny as well as this he is and that's unusual usually when a show you get various directors mm-hmm. coming in and out but these guys are very like dedicated to their I guess dead dedicated to their craft like they they keep these as kind of 
I don't want to say family operations, but within a, a dedicated circle. Right, and Jacob Tierney in this also appears as uh, Benny Brodeur. One of the uh, Quebec color commentators. Yeah. Uh, and is, of course, Pastor Glenn <laughs> in Letterkenny. Glenn is more entertaining, but his character fits in well here. Do you notice who the other uh, commentator is? Mm, I don't even remember what the other commentator's name was. I don't remember the name, but he plays uh, Mr. Dick. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he looked familiar, but I was like, I, who put on a big mm-hmm. fucking not quite Amish beard? And mm-hmm. Sausage Party is one of the most uncomfortable episodes Letterkenny has ever made. <laughs> I fucking loved Sausage Party. That was so good. <laughs> so, Shorzy is a spinoff of Letterkenny, so obviously Letterkenny is going to come up, even though we're not going to talk too much about it, because we're here to talk about Shorzy. But with Shorzy as an existing character, it's kind of inevitable. He was apparently picked because he was the character with the least... Backstory. Kind of backstory to him that they could do something interesting with. He was super popular, but no backstory. Now, it's not that I was not interested in the show when I heard about it, because I fucking love Letterkenny. I was willing to give them the chance to do it. I thought they could pull it off. I didn't know how well it was going to turn out, though. Shorzy is admittedly one of my least favorite parts of Letterkenny. The other is the the four or five hockey players, the... Talking while eating has given me the hiccups. <laughs> uh, uh, Fisk, Boomtown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't think that gag works very well. The gyms in this is that gag, but funny. That's kind of what I was thinking. We'll too. get to them, but... And also, you know, you have Jared Kiso playing both characters, and I've only ever seen Jared Kiso as Wayne, and I guess... I mean, technically, you've seen him as Shorzy, but... Well, yes, and as, like, a background character in fucking Smallville, but, like, I don't even remember mm. it. I just know he was in an episode of Smallville. That's fucking So hilarious. there was that kind of thing of, like, I knew that I liked him, but I didn't know if he was going to be able to separate the two characters. Could he pull off Shorzy and not just still Wayne when we can see Shorzy's face, when he's mm-hmm. not just the, like, weird character falsetto voice and never show his face that uh, Shorzy is in Letterkenny. I feel like here and there Wayne bleeds through a tiny bit, but not much. I am really actually very impressed mm-hmm. with how good a job he did of not... He brings a completely different physicality to the character. That's really what it is. How he stands, how he talks, he still has that higher raised voice, but it's not the complete falsetto that Shorzy had. Because mm-hmm. it would have, if they had just kept classic Shorzy, where his voice is super high and falsetto all the time, and you never see his face, the show would not have worked. Mm-mm. You couldn't have done it. But I didn't know if Shorzy could exist outside of that character, because he still has to be Shorzy. I think he pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, I'm now in the Jared Kiso for Wolverine camp because of this show. More than I was before, yeah. I don't know if he's, yeah, more than I was before. I, I still don't know if he's my top pick. I don't, I'd have to think about that more. But, like, I'm like, oh, no, if he got cast, I'd be like, yeah, he I get it. it. I get it. Let's do this. 
Cast a fucking short person for Wolverine, for fuck's sake. Agreed. How not he like five six or something like that? Oh, like, I was gonna say I was gonna guess at Kiso's height. Oh, Kiso. Kiso's over six feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, he's still way too big for Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But I will give this credit. This show is both very much like Letterkenny, but not Letterkenny at the same time, which is hard to do with spin-offs, because it's very easy to just accidentally do less good Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. And instead, I mean, I've got places that I think this show does better than Letterkenny, and I've got things that I think Letterkenny does better than this show, but it's in its own lane enough that I don't... They're not competing as much as, like, running parallel to each other for me. Right. Right. I will say, I think Letterkenny does a better job at getting a wider range of characters, distinct personalities faster. Okay. But because, part of that is because, one... Well, yeah, that Letter, makes sense. Letterkenny yeah. is more about the characters as opposed to the plot. Well, this has a lot more of a like ongoing through line than the first season of Letterkenny had. And because Letterkenny split everyone up, I mean, what's that intro to Letterkenny? There, there are 5,000 people in the town of Letterkenny. The, These are their problems. Yeah, but there's also like mm-hmm. the... Oh, from the first uh, couple episodes, yeah. yeah. The Hicks, the Skids, the hockey players. They originally had the Christians, and then mm-hmm. they really quickly went, Glenn's the only one we give a fuck about in that setup, so let's just silently drop all the rest of them. Right. And they were kind of able to give you a background for each character just by setting them in that category. Well, in- I was about to say, that's the thing. Like, Shorzy is about a category. Yes, I would say two. Letterkenny's about a town. Shorzy's about. I will give Shorzy two categories. The people running hockey Mm. and the people playing Playing hockey. hockey. The sluts? The sluts. Also, God (laughs) bless them for the only time they referred someone as a slut. It's the men. It's the hockey players. It fits them. It's like insulting, but doesn't feel like condescending. Right. Sluts. God, it's the only way you could use the word slut as often as they do in this show without me just being completely set off from it. What is the actress who plays Tannis in Letterkenny? Kenya Tia Horn. She is involved in Shorzy behind the scenes, but it sounds like she's decently heavily involved. Because she's a Yeah, I think she's some kind of producer, but she's it's, a producer and I think partially in charge of Casting as well as not casting, casting, but like she's a producer specifically in charge of making sure indigenous representation is well done. I don't remember what the specific term is. I know they've talked about where they said it has a really heavy native population. So if they hadn't put a heavy native presence in the show, it wouldn't have worked. Like it just wouldn't have felt real beyond the fact that it's just important to actually have native representation in television. Cause we're really fucking bad about that. Yeah. There's been a lot more lately. I've been watching a ton of those shows. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Now I'm not going to say this has great native representation. I'm not going to say it's have bad native representation because I am not a person who really gets to make that judgment call. Here's the but thing. I liked it. It is great. You know why? Cause it's well-rounded. That's you true. got 
all characters from all sorts of backgrounds doing all sorts of different shit, mm. and that's what needs to be shown. I just, as we have discussed before, I am very aware mm-hmm. of my privilege, so I don't want to be like, this show gets representation on point. Because I don't fucking, I'm a straight white guy. Every show represents me on point. Um, Plus, like, every female with authority in this show is native. And when they have authority, they have authority. Um, <laughs> so, let's get into the... Um, do we want to get into the actors first, or do we just want to introduce them as they come up throughout the show? Um, uh, let's just knock them out real quick. Okay. Let's see. We already mentioned Jared Kiso's Shorzy, of course. Uh, Tazia Tellis as Nat, who is the team owner. She's interesting. I I want to know much more about her. We do get a surprising amount in the, like the very final episode to kind of explain who she like why she is who she is uh harlan blaine katwayt as sanguinette sanguinette's fucking great he might be i don't know if he's my favorite character in this show but he's up there uh blair lamora as zeke she's the which one's zeke which one's meek so there are two characters that always appear in the same scenes together one is zeke and one is meek they're sisters they're sisters and one is slightly taller than the other. Yeah, Kalani Rose is Meeg. God damn it. <laughs> Which one's into Sanger? Uh, the shorter one. Damn it. I was hoping that that was going to trigger a name. I've watched through this show <laughs> once. I have about half the names down. It looks like Kalani Rose is the... She's the shorter one. Yeah. Okay. So Kalani Rose is... is Meeg. Meeg. So that's the shorter one. The shorter one. <laughs> so sorry, people. <laughs> Blair Zieg, the taller one. Good. Good. They have individual personalities, but when it comes to like what they look like, the biggest difference is one is taller than the other because <laughs> they're sisters. They look pretty close to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Dialbi as himself, Dolo. I just I had to look him up. He's actually just a hockey player, and they just let him keep his name and play a fictionalized hell yeah works for me version of himself yeah, that's wouldn't have known but i also don't play hockey so uh terry ryan is ted hitchcock which is pretty funny because if you say it real fast it sounds like ten hitchcock it's true he say it every time it had to be done <laughs> uh ryan mcdonald is michaels michaels is no he's okay which one is michaels is the former coach yeah 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 okay yeah. Uh, Max Buffard as uh, Jean-Jacques-Francois Jacques-Jean. JJ, Frankie JJ. Uh, Andrew Ansonin as Brant Goody Goodley. I don't understand why he only gets recurring while the others all get... Because he's in every scene with um, uh, Ted Hitchcock and Dolo. I mean, maybe his agent just wasn't as good. <laughs> yes, I just... <laughs> Uh, Camille Sullivan is Laura Moore. I need much more of her. Laurence LaBeouf! As herself. <laughs> I was curious if that was a real actor. Actress. I mean, I know obviously it's a real actress, but if she was playing a real person. Has she been in anything I've seen? Oh, she's in Turbo Kid, which I still need to watch. But She's in a lot of shit, but it's... Oh, Turbo Kid's supposed to be really good. I mean, not really good, but really good. Mm-hmm. 
John Morasti as Jim number one. I fucking Brandon Nolan as Jim number two. And Jordan Nolan as Jim number three. Such beauties. God, the gyms are such fucking beauties. (laughs) Oh, she was in Being Human. Not a lot of Being Human, but... I don't think we really need a... Like, everyone else is small enough. I'm not going to waste the time. No, not really. Liam, Corey, and Phil, I believe, are all just members of the the team that appear a couple of Mm -hmm. times. Like, just enough times to get... Lawrence Lavo. Which one's Fish? I don't know. It might be Phil. I don't know. Might be Phil. There's a uh, one of the hockey players they call Fish, and I don't. He's not popping up on the stuff here. But anyways, this is gonna be. There's only six episodes. So we can go through Super relatively simple. fast. Never lose again. It's, it just sets it up. It does a really good job of setting it up. It sets up a lot of things, like uh, Sanger getting the underwater squeezer from Michael's honey on uh, <laughs> uh, off a of party island in Wasaga. Really is the kind of important thing of this first episode. Shorzy rolls in and seizes control of this team by making the deal. Don't fold. We'll never lose again. The coach, Michaels, quits. No, he gets fired. Is fired because he's costing them so much money. And Shorzy appoints Sanguinette, Sanger, as their new coach. Their new coach. Which is the one part I feel kind of bad about, that he just is like, you're done playing hockey now. Now you're our coach. And Sanguinette does pretty good with it, and I'm into it, but like, rude, Shorzy. Rude, but in a way, he wasn't ever going to play over those other guys. Well, and in a way, kind of respectful of Shorzy, of he recognizes that he has like, knowledge and skill, but can't compete at the level that like mm-hmm. of what he's trying to do. And does he bring in the people on this first episode or no, that's, that's how the second episode starts. Okay. Turns out I watched all of these in a brick and because it's not standalone episodes in quite the same way. Yeah. It goes they, right into veteran presence, which is bringing in Dolo and Goody and mm-hmm. Ted Hitchcock. And what else happens in the first episode? First episode. Let me see. Never lose again. Squeezer. Michaels. Um, sets up that he's always pushing up on Laura. In a surprisingly respectful way. Um, sets up him co- not coaching, refing the, the younger league. Least interesting part of the show, but it is kind of fascinating to watch him you get in one of the later i think it's in the second episode that leads to one of my favorite parts where he's fucking going back and forth with them he's like fucking whatever you guys are folding anyway and he immediately drops like all the fun back and forth like wait you heard we're folding wait we're folding get back here i think this is the first episode Uh, that might yeah Yeah. because then he shows up and they're like why wouldn't we fucking fold um god i'm not selling this show well it does provide the first point where we get a more human aspect of Shorzy because it is interesting because as much as he has the like back and forth chirping with the kids and is pretty mean to children, he's still (laughs) doing, he's still throwing them off the, off the ice for stuff. Shorzy would not hesitate to do. 
Well, it's even funnier because he's throwing them off for not upping it. Upping it? Like, he's he's throwing them off for doing, like, exact retaliation. Somebody's throwing a punch at them, and they're throwing the exact same punch back. And he's going to he's always going to get somebody who retaliates. But he's telling them, like, if you're going to come back at them, then you've got you've got to come back. I missed that part. Okay, never mind. That's very sure. Z completely ignore everything I just tried to claim there. Because that's the first they they keep getting on him. Like, what the fuck? They started it. And he's like, I'm always going to get the person that retaliates. If you're going to get him, like, you got to get two on or something like that. Like, Okay, so never mind. Very on brand for Shorzy. I I fucking I don't know. Some of some of those scenes fell flat for me, but I love that they set it up so that in a couple episodes you're able to get the kids just fucking giving it to them over the blueberry bulldogs. Mm-hmm. That's one of my fucking favorite scenes in this entire season. Well, and it does set up an interesting love hate relationship between Shorzy and the kids of. I mean, because anytime we've seen Shorzy before this, it's mostly with Riley and Jonesy, mm-hmm. who fucking hate Shorzy. So seeing people have, like, a similar, fuck you, dude, but with more, I don't want to say affection, but like... But it's affection. Affection or respect, even, behind the eyes, as opposed to... Especially uh, as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. He definitely starts to earn it a lot more mm-hmm. as the season goes on, too. Before we get too far into the season, what did you think of, like, the Shorzy send-off episode of Letterkenny? It was fine. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. It was weird to see Jared Kiso playing two characters. I mean, obviously, they just used a stand-in for the two mm-hmm. scenes that they interact. Uh, it's... It makes sense that they showed short, like, why teams put up with Shorzy of he's got the fucking hustle, that he works until he vomits, that he's... Because we've kind of seen that before. But not... It's been slightly hinted at more than yeah, anything. We knew he was good at the game, but we show that, no, he's like, he's a piece of shit, but he's really dedicated to hockey. Mm-hmm. He fucking cries buckets at the drop of a hat. I will... <laughs> I will say it's interesting that they make jokes about, like, never working out or shit because he's fucking ripped in Letterkenny. And we see him at the gym mm-hmm. a lot. And making fun of Riley and Shorzy for not being as ripped as him. So it's almost like he's playing an alternate universe Shorzy. That's close enough that I can kind of, like, I mean, I don't need it mm-hmm. to be a perfect translation. Because as I said, if we just got original titfucker, like, it wouldn't work. Also, apparently my Shorzy voice sounds like Mickey Mouse to me, so that's fun. That was a pretty good Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Seven and one. Woohoo! <laughs> um, yeah, veteran presence brings in his crew. Now, here's the thing. I was really hoping that he was going to bring up somebody from Letterkenny. And, like, I was fingers crossed for, like, Tyson and Joint Boy. Everyone else in the cast is connected enough that it would have been hard to, like, pull another one of them away. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised Tannis never showed up anywhere. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I also don't blame them for not wanting to do heavy crossover 
in their first season. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Riley and Jonesy at some point in season two. Well, I think once... Assuming there's a season two, it's not been announced, right. but they clearly are setting up for it. I think if they continue winning, Tannis at least will show up. If nothing else, then to get Bro Dude Energy to sponsor them instead of the Blueberry Festival. Yeah, because the only person we saw outside of Shorzy is Anik shows up. Mm-hmm. Or is it is it now Sko Dude? I don't. Or was that a limited? I think that was a limited partnership kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah, because it was still Bro Dude in the opening segments on mm-hmm. uh, of the sports talk show. Brought to you yeah. by Bro Dude Energy. Mm-hmm. Because the show, uh, the... That Anik is on, yeah. Yes, but the, the energy drink that Tannis makes is NDN Energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's PC, buddy. But, oh, yeah, we bring in the new ho- players. I fucking love them. I love them. No one was confident in these players at all, but he brings in a good point. of He, he brings in tough guy players, but none of them are active hockey players at the time because it's towards the end of the season and this team has lost 20 games in a row. They're not bringing in big-name players other than J.J. Frankie J.J., who he somehow... It's because there's an impossible amount of good-looking girls in Sudbury. Well, yes, but... like, (laughs) uh, And honestly... I kind of love that they lampshade it like that in this, Mm -hmm. where they're like... We're just going to continue our same casting habits, except we're just telling you straight out we'll this just time. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, but what I, what I was going to say is I think J.J. Frankie J.J. is the least interesting one of them by far. I agree, but I kind of love that he's obviously just a fucking space case dumbass. I don't hate J.J. Frankie J.J. I just like all the others better. Mm-hmm. And let's go over those names again, because there's J.J. Frankie J.J., who has appeared in Letterkenny. Right. But only for an episode or two, and it's mostly just Shorzy punching him in the fucking face. Uh, we get Dolo. Dolo, who left hockey to be a rapper in this version. And mostly a only... Rap singer? Rap singer, yeah. How do you sing rap? <laughs> and uh, mostly only speaks French. I think he only says one line in English. Except with the the one time you hear his rap song, which is all in English. Yeah. Which is strange. But Canada's kind of strange, so... And they all understand French, so... <laughs> At least Good. in that neck of the woods. I actually, I took French in college. I really liked French. I just didn't keep it up because I didn't keep college up. Goody. Goody. Who is most, like... He's the only one without some fun accent thing right? going down of his basic people. Goody is just obsessed with food. And his two, like, his two gags is uh, whatever food is unbelievable and calm down. And he, he has a tendency to, no matter what's being brought up at the beginning of a conversation, he'll spin off of that. Mm-hmm. Into food. Mm-hmm. The show is so food-oriented. Jesus Christ. Uh, Fucking Ted Hitchcock. <laughs> Ted Hitchcock. I don't know. Okay, so, I mean, 
The only thing I really know about Newfies, to be entirely honest with you, is what I know through Letterkenny and Chorzy. I know that it's a place in Canada. I know it's got its own... It's one of the more idiosyncratic parts of Canada, mm -hmm. much like Quebec, but... Yeah, I don't know, but he likes his martinis. He likes his martinis, and he's very down for fucking anything. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all of them? Are we missing? Who are we missing? Did we miss everybody? Anybody? JJ, Frankie, JJ, Dolo. Goody, Dolo, Ten Inchcock, Ten Inchcock, and then uh, Chorzy is like the yeah. dominant five. Oh, and we meet the Jims. I was about to say, and then they bring in the Jims. Jim, Jim, and Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. It's hard to talk about the Jims without just saying the jokes from the show. They're such fucking beauties. But really, they exist to. I mean, they're. They're Tyson and Joint Boy. Mm -hmm. They are there to cause trouble on the ice. To, to And here's the problem of where I don't know shit about hockey. I don't know what any of the positions are other than goalie. I don't know. So I don't like know if this is a normal thing, but they just are there to... They're the they're the big guys. Yeah. They're the, I, they're the I don't know any of the, the, the positions either, but from what I gathered was those are the guys on defense, but they brought them in specifically to be on defense because they're tough motherfuckers. And so instead of playing normal defense, they're just going to fucking fill them in instead. Mm -hmm. The ongoing chat ongoing gag is they all insist on being called Jim and the first two always reply with one word, maybe two. Like one sentence at the most, and the other guy always has like two or three sentences, mm -hmm. and is really optimistic. I fucking love the gyms. As we said, it really is the uh, Schultzy Fisky, whatever Boomtown mm -hmm. gag, but, but actually better. funny. I mean, I don't know. You might like that gag more than I do, but they are. It is. One I think that gag's fine, but I do think this is the superior version of it. Boomtown's the only one I like of those guys. So the fact that I like the gyms. Also, it's kind of the first time we see Shorzy just like somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. He never. I mean, there's nothing bad to be said about the gyms. No, the gyms are fucking beauties, man. <laughs> like, uh, I'm digging right now. I, I got nothing bad to say about the gyms. Uh, but yeah, that's just, he. The second episode is just getting everybody together. Yep, and then they, they go together, to the mixer they talk and about food. They have a scrap, but we don't even see the scrap. Right. I wonder if Jared Kiso fights half as much off screen as he does on screen because every one of his shows is about like how many fucking fake punches can I throw at people. He's gotten significantly better since season one of Letter Kenny at throwing a fake punch. Mm -hmm. It's still a fake punch, but like no, I agree. It's it's up to it's up in quality. Uh, know your role, where we actually finally get to see someone play a fucking game of hockey. Yeah, uh, the, the Apple Dorns. the The opposing team has four or five brothers. Eight brothers. Eight brothers. The whole team is one family called Apple Dorns. Uh, Sanguinette one comes in in that suit and. Him look fine. Like, yeah. a running gag is how cute Sanguinette is, but they're not wrong. And he recruits Shorzy to help him run the first game to set the set the tone. Mm -hmm. Because he's never coached before, 
And, like, he knows he can do it, but it's it's one thing to know you can do it. And this is, like, just help me get my fucking footing. Well, and it's hilarious, too, because Shorzy's actually kind of terrible at public speaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, so. Yes, so. Yes, so. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember too much about that episode, to be honest, other than they... They sure, fucking beat Timmons. a complete piece of shit to everyone who's not the people he handpicked for this team and the gyms. But, I mean, that's kind of been his lesson. He's like, the whole team is just, they don't have the passion. And he needs to teach these kids the passion. They don't hate to lose. Mm-hmm. Be honest, in Bellegarth, that's kind of one of my weaknesses. I don't hate losing. I like winning. Don't hate losing. Man, I fucking hate losing. But I never had to use that as um, back when I actually played like organized sports. I don't like back losing. In the day. I never had to use that as motivation because we were a good team. We weren't in last place in the no show. I don't like losing. It's not end of the world to me to lose because I know I'm not naturally gifted at physical stuff. So when mm-hmm. I do decent, I'm like, cool. I've had to work to get to that. Okay, I say that. I was getting real fucking frustrated yesterday. I, I, you know, we know I play Belagar, stick tag, LARPing, fighting, whatever. Full contact LARPing. Mm-hmm. I was real bad yesterday, and I was starting to get kind of pissy about it. So I guess I do hate to lose enough. But also, I'm a support player, so I don't expect a really high kill-death ratio. Right, right. I understand that from, I mean... I don't do full contact LARPing, but I did a number of actual organized sports back in the day. So, like, there's parts of this show where I was, I watch, I mean, this, I grew up in a small town, so I always like Letterkenny because it reminds me of small town life to a certain degree. But it's so stylized that at a certain point, it stopped being that. It's stylized small town life. This, though, is a classic, like, it's a TV show, but... It's a classic sports movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those classic sports movies are based on things that happen. And so, like, we were never last place in the no show, but nobody gives a shit about Class C football because that's for high schools with 130 kids and under. So, no so if you go out <laughs> for the team, you're on the team. <laughs> we don't have enough people to say no. Like, legit, there's a number of schools that have to partner with other schools just so that kids can play football. Oof. Um, I, I mean, def- I'm glad they do that. That makes sense. I mean, my hometown now does that, though they can they can field a team mm-hmm. because we were the highest populated town in the county. But, that's but still like the next town people. over couldn't. So they've combined in the past few years and have been putting out a combined team. So both. That's nice. Um, but yeah, nobody cares about Class C football because, like I said, it's for 130 kids and under. But it was also weird because, like, I don't know, people would look to, like, the AA schools, but there's only, what, 13 of them in the state? 11? I can't remember for sure. There's three of them in town. See, Stygia Belagarth, Stygia being the local Missoula mm-hmm. realm, exists in kind of a weird place because... We really easily could be no one gives a fuck about small town Montana Bellegarth. But we had a couple of years where we showed up in force and made ourselves fucking known. 
See, and that's where I was like, there's, I think, 11 or 13 AA schools in the state, which are what usually get, like, all the headlines and the notice, because, like, you actually have to try out to be on those teams, because mm-hmm. it's for all the schools with, like, you know, 1,000 kids or whatever, which is a lot for Montana. But, like, with that few teams, you also go to the playoffs with a fucking losing record in AA ball. Easy to. Class C football, to make it to the playoffs, you pretty much have to be pitching a perfect season. Fair enough. And we were a good team. Okay. Like, we we would force them into mercy rule in the first half. Last time, I'll bring up... Mm-hmm. Belagarth stuff for a moment, but there's okay. So there's an event nearby. It's one of the closest events that we do, which is event being when we all get together for the weekend and camp and party and fight. Mm-hmm. It's the show. It's why we do it. The opener for a lot of people is in uh, Idaho and Montana. There's now two realms in Montana, and I can't wrap my head around this fact. Uh, but is one called Thabral? Thabra. It's Thabra. <laughs> uh, And it's not a large event. It's not supposed to be. It's fucking northern rural Idaho. It's near Idaho Falls. Mm -hmm. 60 to 80 people being the average number of people we bring in. One year, we brought 25 fucking Stygians, Missoula kids, to this fucking event. People were like, who are these people? Where did they come from? And then, like, we pulled up into our, uh, we'll do, like, realm battles. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Stygia versus Ebonhold, which is Idaho Falls, versus Wrath, which is Boise, yada, yada, yada. And they were like, what are those realms over there? And they went, oh, no, that's just Montana. Like, oh, fuck, that's a third of the field. That's kind of how I feel about this. If we just popped up out of fucking nowhere, and that's kind of what Shorzy is aiming to do here. It's Just, that's really funny, because it reminds me of back during football, one of the years I played, we were the largest Class C school in the entire state. So we had more people suited up cheering on the team on the sidelines than some of the other teams had entire crowds showing up to their games. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're fucking good. Um, that it, says a lot about me. That, that and literally half of, like... 48% of our school was on the team. <laughs> God. It says a lot about me that the only thing sports I can talk about is when I stab people with an eight foot pole covered in foam on Sundays after work. I do relate to that though. Of uh, They have a point in either this episode or the next where they give them the gym. Mm-hmm. G Y M not the gyms. not the gyms. Yeah. And they're like, no one's going to fucking use this. Like, these people work and then come play hockey afterwards. This is not, like, quite professional hockey in the way we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Has a definite bell feel to it of some people like, you need to put time in every day. And I'm like, I work a full-time job and I'm married <laughs> and I have non-bell hobbies. Like, I, a lot of my life is Bellagarth, but also I have other shit to do, my son. You know, want to pay me for it, we can talk different things. They fill in Timmons. Then you get, you can't win. if you, Or if you if can't you win, don't play. Which is most interesting of we actually learned some of Shorzy's background. Which is fucking wild and not at all what I was going to guess. I uh. mean, not wild like it's bad, but like 
I would never have guessed in a million years that that was the way that they were going to go with his family. It's a weird, stupid little joke, but his dad walks up to the table and he's like, wish me luck. This is luck and grabs the Gus and brew and walks off with <laughs> yeah. it. It's like, yeah, buddy. Basically, we see Shorzy's family reunion. We're not sure what it is at first because it's rather large and surprisingly multicultural. And yeah, turns out Shorzy's a foster kid. And was lucky enough to apparently have an awesome foster the dad. The world's best foster dad. And the foster care system is brutal. And I mean, I've met a lot of good people that foster kids. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not saying every foster parent's bad, but the foster system is fucked up. He gets just a foster dad. No mom, which everyone, when they realize it, goes... Well, that explains why he only wants to bang moms, which is really creepy when you think about <laughs> yeah. it. But, and we find the only group of people in the world who legitimately like Shorzy. Waffle? Waffle? Waffle's daughter, who will still tell him to fuck off, but like oh, no. likes him. I mean, oh, no. They I was... like, uh, sorry, Waffle is Shorzy. That's right. I was, I was thinking of... Uh, Big Mo. Big Mo, Yeah. And we get the family history of the dad talking through the family reunion, telling stories. I wish we would have got the rest of it, because there was obviously so many other kids, too. Yeah, although I do wonder how many of them are all foster kids, or if there are, you know, like, uncles, cousins, Mm -hmm. other stuff. I mean, I I feel like some of them were obviously meant to be foster Mm -hmm. kids, because otherwise they weren't around any of the ones that we know are the kids to like show any yeah uh, relation between them. This dude takes on so many fucking foster kids and devotes himself to it. Uh, I will say, cause th- we find out the, 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 the Shorzy origin story and part of it was he used to be fat and then he got not fat. And then the show calls out the like implied message of stop being fat and you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And then points out that that is not the point of this story. Like, it'd be super easy to get that message from it, but that's not. But the message is, find what makes you happy. And then there are just other results of it. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't. And then he's called Waffles. I mean, Big Mo was way dumber than Shorzy was fat anyway. (laughs) You find that out immediately. Uh, Shorzy's called Waffles by his family. Because when he started there, he ate a 12-pack of waffles every day. Well, they only come in eight packs. You wouldn't bust one open just to okay, get some so more waffles. Eight packs of, or eight <laughs> waffles every day with shit all over him until his second or until the second foster kid comes in, Big Mo, who is extremely sports-oriented. They'd play sports together. He kept losing, which is where Shorzy picked up how much he hates to lose. And then we do get a weird scene of bringing in the next two foster kids. Oh, yeah. I don't... I didn't catch their names. They only appear in this one scene. But they are a lesbian couple together, and they mock them a lot, but not for being lesbians. 
But for being foster kids that are married to each other, like foster or about to be married to each other. Yes. And you're like, oh, to be nice to them. And then like they both say, dad, at like simultaneously. You're like, oh, listen, that's why. Yeah, that's weird. I'm not even saying they're wrong or whatever, but that's. Once again, the, (laughs) the show points it out like, look, this isn't why we're making fun of you. We love you. We hope you're happy. It is, but if you thought you were going to show up <laughs> and not get fucking made fun of because this, all of this, <laughs> this show is really good at like making fun of someone, and you think it's going to be because of the like bigoted reason, and then it's no, we're still going to fucking make fun of you, but it's not for the bigoted reason. That just happens to like. That's there. We're sorry. We're, you, you might have to deal with that other places in your life. You won't have to here. We love you. But you're marrying you both your foster call sister. him dad. <laughs> Every time he says something and everyone's like, sure, Z. And then the dad being like, no, that no. was actually sad. Like, oh, God. Oh. Uh, and then the other hockey boys, the, the big four that we've talked about, don't show up for the the game because they get jumped by someone that they beat the shit out of in their first episode. Mm-hmm. So Shorzy, and this is something I didn't quite understand because I don't know hockey very well, but Shorzy has his, if you can't win, don't play. I don't actually agree with that, but whatever. Sometimes you just take the shellacking and you learn from it. But he manages to get the game canceled by provoking the other team into starting a fight with him, which gets the game canceled, which I don't quite understand because they fucking get into fistfights all the goddamn time. Yeah, there's a difference between a fight and a pregame fight, though. I think that they say that a lot, but I still don't understand necessarily why although i mean that's a scrap unlike anything else we have seen because we enter into the next episode with the scrap scrap happening i do love at the end of that too how they show up the other four show up and just dive in fucking wail on them oh the thing we haven't mentioned throughout this is michaels the former coach gets brought in as the tender tender goalie I mean, tender is the term, but basically goalie, if you're like me and doesn't know fucking. Um, he and Shorzy hate each other to the point that Shorzy's not supposed to talk to him, but they keep both insulting each other by talking around each other. It was uh, fine. It wasn't that, the that best gag, was... but it does lead to an important plot point in this episode, so we have to actually bring it up. Uh, they're trying to... the. There are three points of this episode. One, the general manager, I can't think of her name. Nat. Nat has to go in front of the league, which we find out are all hard as balls native women. And that whole scene is delightful. Mm -hmm. They're all fucking super hard and mean to each other. And then they find out that they're all into the spirit of the game and are like into it. I do like that they called out. They tried the argument of like, they came into our does it say tunnel? Mm-hmm. Our tunnel, our side of the barn, and started the fight. And I'm like, yeah, but Shorzy's on your team, so we know that he provoked them into doing that, so we'll let you do this as a fucking technicality. A pregame, I don't remember if it led to a uh, scratched game. 
but a pregame fight was a big bit in Slapshot as well. Okay. From what I could tell, they still got, the Bulldogs still got fined. Mm -hmm. They mentioned that. But they get counted as the win because after this, he insists that they're on a streak because they've won two games. Even that's though they how, didn't play the second many. game. Yeah. So because the other team started the fight, they got the L. Mm-hmm. But the uh, but Shorzy's team still got charged money because they fucking provoked a big-ass fight. Um, the boys decide that they need to do something about the group that jumped them because they're going to jump them again. Like, they're aware that that's going to go down. So... The tender, Michaels, decides that he's going uh, in an attempt to bring the team together. And this is my one critique, and I kind of just wish this show was longer. I wish we got more episodes in the season. This feels like half a season, not Mm -hmm. a full season. It feels like half a season. Michaels jumps from the, like, can't handle Shorzy to we need to bring the team together. I need to be on this team, kind of Jamie Tart learning to work with the others. But again, from the opposite direction. Yeah, because Michaels is a fucking goof. That's why they call me Never Miss Michaels. God damn it. He he jumps to that immediately. Like, out of fucking nowhere. But the person he used to date, that Sanguinette got, got the a handy squeezer. From, yeah. Uh, has super creepy fucking brothers in possibly the best gag of the series. I... So I love the, the their straight-up physical humor gag, but beyond that, just the fallout of, like, you don't get to see what they did, but then they show up in those fucking suits. Okay. That's so, terrifying. To explain it's this, because this is not going to make hilarious. any sense if you haven't watched this, they get the brothers of his ex-sweetie to come help out, in uh, to come and help deal with the problem of the other boys coming after them. It's the equivalent of grabbing ginger, the ginger in boots. Mm-hmm. It almost implies like mob connections, but they're just fucking weirdos. The two boys just have like eternal shocked expressions. They do not change facial expression at any moment. And it's so hard to explain why this is so funny in an audio medium because you have to watch the scene. I would lose it. I, I wouldn't be able to. I have to wonder how many bloopers is them looking over at those two and everyone else just fucking dying. Oh my God, I would fucking lose it. But we don't see what they do to the people who are attacking the boys. But those boy, uh, but the people attacking the boys show up forced to wear costumes and run in front of the limo, the limo cheering on the blueberry bulldogs in return the two weirdo brothers get season tickets so they can sit there and watch the game and feel like part of a group because no one wants to hang out with them because they're fucking weirdos. And Michael's ex-sweetie gets to fuck Sanguinette. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just says she wants Sanguinette, but like, let's be real. What was my third one? Because I said there was three things and now I can't. There's the... There's the brothers. Oh, and then the the, the actual hockey game Oh yeah, yeah. happens. You know, the whole thing this fucking episode is about where it turns out the Sioux, who are the team that's supposed to be super fucking good, did not fucking good. They're so fucking good. Did not bring any of their important players. 
They brought nothing but backup people because who gives a fuck about the Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs? Well, and you you just want to rest your starters because you're coming up on the playoffs in Mm -hmm. a couple weeks and it's not going to affect your standings anyway. So the Bulldogs... Beat the snot out of them. Just wreck them. They... What is it? They'll uh, next episode. They give them the lumber, which I didn't know that that was universe. We we used to say that in football too. Oh, I just thought it was a hockey specific thing because it makes like, more sense for hockey. Yeah, yes, that's exactly why. Because like, of the oh, stick. The stick. Yeah. No, I mean it makes a lot more sense for hockey. But when I heard that, I was like, oh shit, I've heard that before. You give them the lumber. You fucking shiver their timbers. There's a lot of weird wood things. I. That's strange. <laughs> that is weird. Anyways. Uh, but because but then that leads into an actual like the sewer like we're not going to lose to the fucking Sudbury Blueberry Bulldogs they poked the bear now the bear pokes back which leads into the final episode don't poke the bear had had something kind of similar happen in high school in a game where we beat a team that thought that it was we were a really good team and most of the games were kind of decided before we went into them. It was one of the ones that was a little bit more even and we kind of pissed them off by beating them. And so they weren't going to have another shot at us for sure uh, unless it was like in the second round of the playoffs. So the only other time they for sure were going to go against us was the JV game uh, the next Monday. So they suited up like three other fucking varsity starters for that JV game. Fuck, that's so fucking mean. Uh, in the the thaw brawl I was telling you about, where we brought in like a fucking quarter of the field. Mm-hmm. First fight, we clean swept the field. Like, because there are different teams in our realm. Because mm-hmm. there's realms, which is where you are, and units, which is team. But units can be across realms. But... There were three dedicated realm, uh, units in our realm at the time. One of them went left, one of them went right, and the other went forward. And we just, and no one was paying attention to us because no one had ever fucking heard of us, but we fought hard, played hard, and we're all young at the time. And we just swept and met in the middle. And everyone was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> but we poked the bear. And they just ran us down. Everyone else was like, they die first for the next, like, four rounds. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, even though they suited up all the, those varsity guys, because of the, the rules, they were only able to play for two quarters. Uh-huh. We still ended up winning that game. Anyway. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... In, it was a weird situation because we were technically also suiting up varsity guys, but it was partially just so that we would actually get it was it was a weird situation. We barely got actual playtime because, like I said, we normally would just fucking run up people. Mm-hmm. So uh, but this is the one where the game is actually the most important part of the episode, which has not been true of any other episode. And oddly might be my favorite episode of the bunch. I don't say oddly because it's surprising that I like it because it's very mm-hmm. good done, but that the the sports heavy one is my favorite is unusual. It does start before the game. The pressure is mounting because people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to get people to come watch the game. JJ Frankie JJ is caught cheating on his girlfriend. 
and travels back to Quebec to try to win her back, completely ditching the team. Because, I mean, he's an idiot. We already knew that. But he just... He never gave a fuck about this team, but he damn like mm-hmm. makes it very clear. He gives zero shits about this team here. Yeah, I don't know, man. I like the episode just overall. I, it's I I brought up this kind of just follows slap shot, and it kind of does still for this episode, and I don't mind that. Like it's dope. I love it. <laughs> These guys get fucking wrecked. The Blueberry Bulldogs are not ready to play against the Sioux when they're taking it seriously. But in the third, I don't remember what it's fucking called. Not Especially sure. being suddenly down a starter. Mm-hmm. Like, not knowing that you're going to be down a starter till right before the game. Like, Yeah, they come in at a disadvantage, and it's the team that literally the only thing anyone says about them is they're so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But they get to the third, you told me what it's called. Uh, not, period. Period. They know they're going to lose. They're down five. They haven't won a single fucking point. So they come in with the game. We're going to give them a show. We're going to give them the fucking lumber. We're going to score some points. More specifically, the gyms are going to score some fucking points because they're fucking beauties. And because they've been playing real strong, but they've been playing, you know, playing defense is not a glamorous place to play in a sports team. Not because it's not important, but because you're not the one scoring goals. Right. I get that. I felt the gyms on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, was a, I was a lineman. I don't I'm touch not, the ball. I'm not defense, but a support player plays a pretty similar role of mm-hmm. it. Of I'm very rarely getting the kills. I'm being the pain in the ass that lets someone else get the kill. Mm-hmm. I do like because usually when it's like, all right, man, it's time. You would expect like hardcore music to play, and instead it's like kind of melancholy piano music as we're watching them just fuck. Up the Sioux. And losing. They still lose mm-hmm. 5-2. But fuck some of the shots that we see, like, punches and fucking just jabbing someone in the nuts with your hockey stick. And Yeah, they didn't want it. <laughs> uh, but we find out that this is... Because they're supposed to fold now. And we find out this is a kind of ploy by the players who realize that they have a team that could really develop into something here. They just didn't have the time to do what they need to fucking do Mm -hmm. to convince them to give them another fucking shot. And that gives in. Yep. Because we still have the playoffs. By giving them the fear, by showing in the final moment, we know what we're going to do and we're good enough to make you fucking scared. And I do like the idea that they do kind of break the spirit of the other team Mm -hmm. or not even break the spirit, break the illusion of it's no longer just that team's so fucking good. It's yeah, they beat us. But uh, what was it in um, the final episode of Ted Lasso of we didn't win, but we definitely succeeded. Right. Same fucking thing, but from the, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. We will make an entire team of Shorzies and watch how that goes. Even though they lost 21 games out of 23 from this season. No, 24. They won three games, one through a technicality. They lost 20 before the season Mm -hmm. started, and then they lost his final one. They still get to go in the playoffs because there are only four teams in this league and they wouldn't have enough teams for the playoffs if they 
didn't. Right. But now that they've got their shit together, theoretically, season two lets them go into the playoffs and fucking wreck. God, I hope there's a second season. Yeah, I agree. I wonder how they're going to set up the playoffs with four teams. I Yeah, I have no idea. They had... Uh, if they're just going to do the four... Grace had to explain sports to me enough mm. to understand what they were talking about in those final scenes. I don't know if this show needs to be like a 10 season show, 11 season, you know, letter Kenny is going and shows no sign of stopping, Mm -hmm. but they could pull in. I feel like at least three solid seasons out of this show. Oh yeah. Easy play. As long as you want to play. I do hope that they pick an end point when they realize that it's time. I would say go tell, I don't know. I don't know if maybe there's something different for hockey, but in general, in sports, three championships in a row is a dynasty. Let them get to dynasty. No, that'd be fun. Recommendations? (laughs) My recommendations is also one of, fucking go watch Prey. That's my recommendation. That's been my recommendation for everybody that, like, for the past week. Go fucking watch Prey. Everybody. Because it is great. America and Dolfo's Sweet Paprika. It's completely different than literally every single thing we've talked about. It is a comic book. Mirka Andolfo is a, I believe, Spanish comic creator. Okay. Uh, she loves drawing big boobs, okay. if we're being honest. Like, she loves drawing sexy women and sexy dudes and fucking. Okay. And it's not a porn. It borderline softcore sometimes. Like, there, there is a cat... A category of Japanese comics called Echi. Oh, yeah, yeah. E-C-C-H-I. And that's kind of the closest of what this is. This is, or like Sex in the City, where like, there's a lot of, from what I understand, there's a lot of sex scenes in that show. And it's a major fast factor of that show, but it's not like, here's pornography now. Sweet Paprika is in theory kind of a Sex in the City-like thing. It's, it's about a... Uh, a book editor whose ex is her number one published, like her number one author, mm-hmm. who has never had an orgasm in her life thanks to wild repression ranging from her father, who just all sex is bad, how dare you even think of that, even though it turns out that he's a fucking dog that had a heart attack during an orgy, mm. which she okay. found out about. From when he had a heart attack and there were pictures taken. (laughs) And she's just like, oh my god, it's okay to have sex? Uh, She wants to have sex with another publisher that she's super into, but she's terrified because she doesn't know anything about sex. Right. And he's, you know, suave, handsome businessman. So she recruits the fuckboy delivery boy that, you know, like those like bike delivery boys that go around stuff who comes by the office and fucks all the people, but no one wants to hang out with him beyond like, he's super himbo Mm -hmm. to teach her to be good at sex. Okay. This is a comic book. I swear it's good. And then for whatever reason, every character is either an angel or a devil. Okay. So down to like horns and red skin and and devil uh, Mm -hmm. and tail or, you know, wings and halo. But it's like a Sex in the City comedy drama show 
but with angels and devils. Mostly just for, like, visually it's more interesting that way. Okay. Yeah. I have no yeah, idea. I mean, I I'm, agree with that. Like, visually, that's... I, I that have no idea if I am selling this in any remote, interesting way. But I read no other book like this, and I am desperately looking forward to Volume 2 coming out. <laughs> I was trying to verify it real quick, but I don't care. Um, I think I saw while I was looking at shit earlier that uh, Sanguinette's actor shows up in a very small role in Prey as well. Oh, cool. I don't remember seeing him, but there's a couple characters that you don't see very much of that mm-hmm. he could have been. So When you said Tannis shows up in Rutherford Falls, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Reservation Dogs. Oh, cool. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Uh, I I love the episode she's in in Reservation Dog. She shows up as Deer Woman in an episode. That was great. Um, we forgot to talk about what's for next time. So, like last time, hopefully it'll be something good. It will be. We always pick okay. good stuff. Yeah. Even, even our week episodes, we tend to have good stuff to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, we're your Generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.